Hey Exercise Confidence listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. In this episode, I sit down with Marissa Butler. Marissa is the current Miss Earth USA. Marissa is also an accomplished collegiate athlete and she has a blooming career in the finance industry. Marissa talks about some of the struggles that she's faced but also overcoming instances in her life where the people that were surrounding her were not uplifting her and feeding into her in the way that she knew she needed in order to be able to exercise confidence. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode with Marissa Butler on exercise confidence. All right, Exercise Confidence listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. I am sitting down with Marissa. Marissa, can you tell us about yourself in about 20 seconds or so? Of course. Hi, thank you for having me. So for 20 seconds spiel on who I am, I would say that I'm someone who wears many hats. So I'm a financial advisor. I'm a community leader, a environmental activist. But my favorite hat has to be my sparkly crown that I won when I got Miss Earth USA 2021. Because I really feel it with pageants. It allows me to really take in all of the things that I really love most about myself and put it towards one common goal. That's such a dynamic intro in 20 seconds, (laughs) and I'm so grateful that you're on the show today and willing to share your story because I do think that you're an incredibly multifaceted and dynamic woman. So Marissa, have you always been a confident individual? I would say no. Um, So I grew up, I was the youngest of four girls in my family. So as you could imagine, there was a lot of trying to figure out who I was separate from who my sisters were. Of course, when you grow up, you have your role models. And when you have so many strong-willed, powerful women within your family, it's kind of hard to find your own voice and your own path that is uniquely yours. So for a long time, I feel like I struggled trying to emulate my big sisters rather than trying to forge my own path. And that kind of led to me being a little bit incompetent because, uh, you know, when you're comparing yourself to someone who is really focused on what makes them their special self versus what makes you special, you're never going to be able to compare. So I think that what really shifted my confidence was really just trying to figure out who I was as a person and really getting to know myself and what I wanted to contribute to the world. Having those strong examples in your sisters and trying to reconcile how you were going to pick who you were going to be and how you wanted to contribute to the world as you just said was there ever like a defining moment or kind of like a twist in your life that allowed you to find that niche that you wanted to utilize to make your mark as Marissa well I think that the biggest thing that set me apart from my sisters was my involvement with sports so team sports really was what really made me realize like what I like to do and where I can kind of stand out Uh, so I started sports really young Um, so I'd say it probably wasn't until I got into playing college sports that this confidence really was built more but in general participating in sports it it just teaches you a lot of amazing uh, life skills 
skills, you know, such as time oh, yeah. management, working with the team. And, you know, there's just so much you can learn from being in a team sport. And that was really the one thing I did when I was a kid that was uniquely mine. My sisters were not very athletic. You know, my sister, Alana, <laughs> was an opera singer. My sister, Vanessa, she was a great cheerleader, but I would classify her more into, you know, like the dancing and everything. Mm-hmm. She was really great at that. But sports was really my thing and, and where I could kind of find my own identity uh, in the pack of all these strong voices in my family. What sport did you play or like what was your favorite? What did you do in college? So my favorite sport has always been soccer. So I was a goalkeeper um, probably from about sixth grade and then all the way through college I played goalie. Uh, but I would say that now my favorite one would probably be lacrosse just because of how amazing I had an experience oh, in nice. college. <laughs> yes, I, I didn't have the best uh, college experience for soccer. That actually took a little bit hit for my confidence. Oh. And it was always so important to surround yourself with really amazing people. And unfortunately, that coaching staff just wasn't really a good fit. But the coaching staff on the lacrosse team at Stonehill was the most amazing a group of women I've ever had. They were all former athletes, uh, actually Stonehill lacrosse players themselves. You know, So they've been in our footsteps. They knew what it was like to go through it. And uh, you really could see how much they really cared about each one of the girls. Um, And that was really important for me because lacrosse wasn't my main sport. I I got recruited to Stonehill for soccer and then ended up quitting and then walked on this team that was like ranked fourth in the nation for D2. (laughs) I was not good enough for it. And I will tell you that right now, I was actually brought on because I was a goalie and they had recruited about like 10 different goalies that year and not one of them showed up that in the fall. So oh they gosh. were desperately looking for a backup goalkeeper. And even though it wasn't me playing, you know, as a first string uh, on the team, it was definitely a backup position. I feel that that really helped my confidence um, just by learning how to, you know, make the best of every situation to really focus on your own personal growth. I don't think I ever grew more in any type of sports uh, team than in that group because they were all such amazing girls who had, I mean, they were the best in the nation. I was trying my best to keep up with them and they would, you know, after every practice, everyone would always like thank me for stepping in for it and also like give me that special tips and tricks and kind of helping me learn and grow. So the amount of growth I experienced on that team was unparalleled to anything else. So I say that 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 team really helped me with coming to terms with, you know, who I am and and my own confidence and having it not necessarily be tied to an outcome, but more so towards a journey. And I think that is a really important piece of advice I would give to anyone, especially, you know, even within pageantry, going back to that, you know, you don't get confidence by winning a crown that's not where that comes from that external validation you know being first string or being crowned miss whatever that's not where you should get your confidence your confidence should be coming from the process and learning to really get to know who you are where you're at and how to progress and become a better version of yourself along the way yeah that is such great advice and listeners i hope that it's something you're able to implement and maybe if you don't know where to start 
on cultivating that confidence in your journey, please reach out to us at Exercise Confidence. Is what we're here for. Um, I had no idea that you had a sports background, Marissa. I think that is so cool. And I, I love learning that about you right now because I know that you are um, very into fitness. Segwaying that into your pageant life, you won the Lifestyle and Fitness Award at Miss California, which is a huge accomplishment and I think is something that I'm sad that they took away the swimsuit lifestyle and fitness portion because I personally found it so empowering. And the whole confidence journey in your sports career is really unique to learn about because like you said, you walked onto a team in this arena where they're the best in the nation in a sport you've never played before, yet the people that surrounded you chose to build you up and uplift you in that situation rather than a sport you had been involved in with many many years of your life that was your main passion and you knew the environment there wasn't conducive to your life and what you were trying to achieve and building yourself up as an athlete how were you able to find the strength and the confidence to walk away from something you had so much experience in and like essentially dive head first into something that you had no experience with? Well, you know, that one was really hard. So <laughs> for me, when I decided to quit soccer, it was a really, like I said, there was a very toxic um, environment for the team, uh, mostly led by, you know, the leadership of the team. And at that time in my life, I was also dealing with a lot of uh, personal issues. My dad just had been hospitalized from his brain aneurysm. You know, my sister was dealing with a drug addiction. So there was a lot going on at home that I just thought to myself, look, I, I need to surround myself with people who are going to help my mental health, not people who are going to hinder it. Because at that point, I was still, you know, my early 20s, you know, it's not something that I could really take on more um, you know, negativity into my life at that point, uh, just because I was I was at my maximum, and I think it's really important to realize that, like, if, if something, even if you love it, if it's not serving you uh, mentally, that sometimes the best option is to take a step back and to try something new. Um, but that being said, you know, if, if something you really love, you you can take that step back and then rejoin it later on. So it might not have been for me. I didn't get to go back and play college soccer again but I did end up playing soccer recreationally in San Diego when I moved here we I joined like a little rec team had a really great uh, group of friends and that were really supportive and wonderful and, you know you can always find a way to channel that love uh, for something and a lot more of a positive outlet um, but as far as lacrosse you know I just I love the sports aspect and I didn't, I wasn't ready to let go of being an athlete in college. So when they had that kind of come up, I was like, you know what? I played like, I think I played like two years in high school and I like quit because I was focusing on soccer. So I hadn't played since I was like a sophomore in high school. And those are the only two years I'd ever played. I was like, well, hey, I might as well go try out. Maybe I'll at least meet someone. Mm. Uh, you know, it was a, fr 
friend. I had no idea I was getting picked. Like I said, like I was not nearly the level of what that team was. That team was really, like I said, top of uh, the line as far as D2 women's lacrosse. And so that was just a surprise to me. And but that also goes to show that if you really put yourself out there in situations that you might not think that you're ready for, sometimes you'll surprise yourself and you'll be more ready than you think you would be. So not letting the fear of not being good enough stop you from trying something, I think is a big lesson I learned in that um, aspect. Uh, just because, you know, a lot of people feel that whole imposter syndrome on, on so many oh different my things. Gosh, yes. <laughs> so it is really hard to get out of your head and your own judgment of yourself and then let others decide, you know, if, if you're ready for it or not. Uh, so I think that the first judge we always face in our life is always ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you need to be the nicest, most lenient judge towards yourself out of anyone because Who's going to say yes to you if you don't say yes to yourself first? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. What you're talking about right now is so impactful, and I'm really grateful to have you on. But (laughs) I think it's so true. Like, we are our harshest critics. We're sometimes our own worst enemies. And I've never thought of it that way, as we are our first judge that we encounter Because especially when we're stepping into new scenarios, like we just talked about with you and lacrosse, we know we're going to be quote unquote judged, right? Whether it's by a coach or the girls on the team. Um, In terms of pageantry, there's literal judges. (laughs) And so you have to remember that if you're already undercutting yourself, what's going to give somebody else the confidence to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself first? Correct. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And imposter syndrome. Oh my gosh, that is such a a big thing that I definitely want to dive into more. Now, I have a question for you because you started your college career, obviously as an athlete and you were an athlete the majority of your life. So it makes sense that you are still somebody that is in love with fitness, but how and where did pageantry come into your life? Uh, Yeah, so I was actually a senior in high school, and my boyfriend at the time, I went with his family down on vacation down to the Bahamas, and that's where they used to hold the Miss Teen USA pageant every year, was in Atlantis, and we were there, I think, either a week before or the weekend after the pageant had just happened, so there was a lot of, you know, all all the posters were up everywhere, and I remember his mom looking at me she's like oh you could do that <laughs> she's like you should be you should go try out for that in Maine Absolutely. and I was like oh no no like I think like, at the time like just to paint the picture like I was a tomboy and a nerd so I got like over a 4.0 GPA in high school like I was like uber nerd uber jock and I was like I didn't know how to do my hair or makeup I never worn a dress or heels so I was like oh no that's not for me that's for you know bimbo girls who you know just want to like look pretty and so I had this negative connotation in my mind like we all do you know if we are not within the pageant world Mm -hmm. have never been exposed to it um and I was like okay no never mind I'm not going to do that but then I did my senior portraits for my yearbook and the photographer happened to be the photographer for Miss Teen Maine USA and again she was like you need to do this. You need to do this. And so it was like a couple different people in my life um, within a span of like six months kept being like, okay, you need to do this. You need to do this. Like, okay, well, fine. All right. I'm just going to go give it a try. 
try something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, I didn't want to try it because my sister had done one pageant before. And oh, I was like, again, yeah. I don't want to do what my sister does. I want to be my own person, you know. Yeah, totally. And the funny part is, is I ended up doing it and then realizing every single one of the girls I was competing against were top 10 of their class. They all played sports. They all did all these amazing things, you know. And I think, okay, well this isn't what I was expecting at all. You know, these are all really smart, amazing women. I made so many great friends right from the first pageant. I mean, I still talk to some of the girls and that was 10 years ago. It was decades since I've been doing pageants. Wow. And there's actually placing first runner up. Oh my God. <laughs> so my first look at pageant that. I placed first runner up. And then <laughs> I'm a really competitive person. So of course that. that got me going and I was like, okay, well I have to really give this a go and, and continue on with this obviously. So that's kind of how I eased into pageantry. Um, but yeah, and I, I think that it was really fun because when I then moved over to Miss America system, the following year, I was able to finally have an outlet for my talents. I'm a singer. Um, and you know, (laughs) I, again, my sister is a much better singer than I am, but it was something I had a lot of fun doing and enjoyed. So, uh, I, but I never had a good outlet. I was always playing sports. I couldn't necessarily go and sing in my high school musicals or anything like that. So pageants was my only opportunity to have a outlet for my singing hobby on top of, you know, showcasing, you know, my academics through interview, my, you know, athleticism through, you know, fitness. So it it really actually ended up being something that I didn't realize at the time uh, when I first signed up, but it really did have a nod to each of the major components of my life that really defined who I was as a person. But then it added that whole extra layer of, you know, confidence as a woman, which I didn't have before. So, you know, kind of learning, I, I kind of think of it this way is that pageants can act as almost as like a modern day etiquette school. Uh, you kind of oh, can yeah. go from being a girl to a woman. Yeah. Uh, and that is so invaluable. It, even though I had three older sisters, I mean, they were all so much older than me. They didn't want anything to do with me, <laughs> you know. So I didn't get, like, my sisters teaching me really how to do my makeup or my hair, how to walk in heels. You know, they just kind of wrote me off as, like, their tomboy little sister. So having then pageants allowed me to kind of tap into the more femininity side of myself, which I wasn't getting before. And then that just made me feel a little bit more of, like, a full person. You know, I wasn't kind of... You know, shying away from any aspect of myself. I was able to be the athlete and, you know, the academic and, you know, the girly princess, but then also can really, like, rough you up in a sports game, you know? So <laughs> there was a, it allowed me to find a good balance in my life, which I'm forever thankful for and created so many amazing friendships. And I, I think, like I said before, you know, being around the right type of people is everything when it comes to confidence if you have good strong friendships who are building you up uh then you can really accomplish anything and i haven't made any better friends in my life than through pageantry and it's funny because when i first first started i started with only two years of eligibility in the miss america system uh and i would hear these girls that were giving up their titles and crowning their successors be like oh my gosh, I met my best friends of my life and now they're my bridesmaids and my parents' godchildren. And I like would roll my eyes and be like, okay, sure, whatever. Like that's not going to happen for me. I'm just here to get scholarship money because I'm trying to graduate debt-free 
and I had a similar sports um, experience to you in a different vein. It wasn't necessarily because of a coaching issue. Um, I had an injury where I started as a softball player at a, the first college I was recruited to, and I was so excited. Um, I was in a car accident, so I had to go through a lot of physical therapy, and I wound up transferring universities to a different um, D1, but I saw the rugby team was trying to recruit girls and they were so welcoming and so awesome and it was like one of those things where you're like walking through the quad and they're like handing out flyers during like week of welcome or whatever it's called and I was like that looks cool like they look fun I want to be a collegiate athlete still like I have two more years of school to finish why not and so getting on that team and being a part of teams I understood why you had a bond and why you created friendships through the teams that way and in pageantry it seemed more individual like it's on me how am I ever going to be friends with these people that I'm quote-unquote competing against right and then as cliche as it sounds you really realize you're competing against yourself like you're you're you're, yes. you're trying to be better than you were the last time you're, you're trying to find a more clear and concise way to express who you are and why you want to serve your community for whatever title it is you're competing for. And so, yeah, I have some of the best friends that uplift me like crazy and support me like immensely. And uh, pageantry definitely gave me an arena to find other amazing women that are so multifaceted because I was like you, I was really smart with school. It was kind of easier for me. I was always in sports. And I have a very short, stocky build because I was a catcher. So I was mm -hmm. super insecure about like being on stage in a bathing suit at first. And then after it's like you, you join this world and you're immersed in a land of women that are just so accomplished that you can't help but want to be on that same level to try to be as accomplished and to try to make the same mark. And you're in the financial advising industry how is that for you as a female? Is that something that is a really like male dominated world? Is that something that you kind of just are making like a niche for women to break into as well? Because I don't really know much about that. <laughs> well, yes, I'm pretty much uh, used to being the only woman in the room on any type of business meeting that I'm in, whether that is the client sitting across from me or the other advisors on our advisor meetings. Uh, so I think it's about like 30% of uh, financial advisors are women. If you go a little bit further up on like, different designations, like for CFAs, um, uh, that it gets a lot smaller. It's about 10%, 13% of, of those are women. So yes, this industry is very, very male dominated. Uh, and I'd say that that's probably been the thing that I have struggled with the most in my um my professional life. I, I didn't really think that it was going to be as big of a deal when I was in college. You know, I, I studied economics. That, again, was very male-dominated. I think I was one of three women in my graduating class in college that were economics majors. Oh, you know, wow. the rest were all men. And in college, I didn't really see much of a difference, but there is definitely a huge difference socially when you are the only female in your entire office, you know, or, or especially for me, it's not just female dominated, but it's also very broken up by age. So I think that 
there may be only three people in my office who are within three years of age of me. The rest of them are all in their 40s or older. So that has another whole aspect that it makes it a little bit more difficult to navigate. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's really about, you know, what it is you want to contribute to society. And I don't know if I'm necessarily like opening up a door or holding it for other women to come through to this industry, but uh, you know, I'm just trying to do my best with navigating it myself. Uh, but one thing I'm really looking forward to is my my work has been very supportive throughout my whole uh, pageant career. And in fact, since I won Miss Earth USA, they're helping me put together a uh, sustainable portfolio that you know actually focuses on investing in you know uh, in socially responsible companies so that I can actually bring that on as marketing. So it's really nice to see that they are, even though I'm definitely the oddball out, they are very supportive. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd say that it was a little bit more difficult just because, um, I would love to be able to work with more women just from having my experience with pageantry and, and being around that sisterhood. You know, I, I miss that aspect and within my professional career, but that's why I'm really glad I do have pageantry as an outlet because if I didn't have that big group of girls, I would definitely need some more estrogen in my life. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it's kind of hard. I'd say that is probably my least favorite part about my job um, that I don't have more women, but at the same time, you know, if, if we don't do it now, then who will? And nothing will change if, if women aren't, you know, staying in those uh, industries that they love and enjoy just because they're the only woman there. So I, I think it's really important just to, to keep in mind, like, yes, if you go into a male-dominated field, there are going to be challenges. But at the end of the day, the more women who face those challenges, the less challenges there'll be for the next generation. Oh, I completely agree. And I think it's interesting when you think about certain fields today still, quote unquote, lend themselves to being male dominated for whatever reason. And historically, it's just weird when you stop and think that at one point, every field was technically male dominated. And there have been so (laughs) many women who have decided to forge these paths for generations to come to also continue to trailblaze down and in terms of like financial um, advising, investing, all of that, I know personally I'm barely starting to like really learn and be diligent about it. But why do you think it's a field that can be intimidating for women to pursue or even consider? Well, I'll kind of give you kind of my personal experience within the field. So if you think about the people who hold the most money, who can do investment right now, so current day, most of them are a lot older men. So, you know, they're past retirement age males, uh, that generation, like you were saying before, when they were growing up, most of the people in those types of roles were men um, who were in finance. And so I think that there's just kind of a generational gap where the people who have the money and are able to make a decision on who they want to have their financial advisor are all men who are feel still more comfortable working with other men. Um, and But that is a trend that is shifting. So one thing that um, 
I, I will note is by 2030, they expect more women to have more wealth uh, ready for investments than men. So women are kind of uh, shifting more towards being able to be the main investors within that market. And it just is going to take about 10 years <laughs> for that to really show. Um, but And I will say my favorite um, clients, though, to work with um, are actually the widows of our past clients. So mm. a lot of times uh, these clients, uh, you know, they're the husband always was the one taking care of the finances. And unfortunately, uh, just statistically, men tend to die sooner than women. So the women are the ones who are left with the money at the end of the day. And unfortunately, they are then left also not really with a blueprint. They don't really know what they're doing because their husband took care of it their whole life. Um, And being able to help these women get a little bit more independence financially, understanding what it is an IRA even is. What is a requirement of distribution? I don't know what that is. You know, I think that's what I deal with a lot is these women who who have these big investments they inherited that they don't really know what to do with and, and or even know what the rules are. And so to be able to kind of help them navigate towards a place where they are feeling comfortable and confident in, in their investing in their overall strategy, that has been something I really personally have loved doing. So I do kind of focus more on uh, building more female clientele. That, that is who I gravitate towards, I would say, just because it is more about teaching. And I, I always felt that I align more with someone who feels like they're a teacher rather than a salesman. So I, I, within my industry, you really can be both. Um, but I would much rather be someone who is imparting knowledge on someone else rather than selling them a product. So I, I want to make sure I give my clients you know, the tools to be able to think critically about you know their investment strategy for themselves and understand what it is we're doing for them and why we're doing it. So that aspect I really love when I work with female clients because more often than not, they're more receptive to hearing, you know, a twenty seven year old woman teaching them about finance than a you know an eighty year old man would be. And and that's again a generalization. I have some amazing male clients as well, but uh, in general I would say that is probably one of the biggest reasons why it's hard for women to break into that field because the people who are choosing who they're having as a financial advisor usually are not looking for a young 20-something year old woman to help them with their finance. It's so fantastic to hear your passion just exude as you're expressing the work that you get to do in general but also with somewhat of a special type of client that as you mentioned, you get to teach, right? Rather than sell them on, this is how and why you should be investing. It's like, I have an opportunity from everything that I've been afforded the knowledge of, and now I get to share it with you. And I think that's one, just super great and beautiful. And I I love that it's also empowering what you're doing. Like you're empowering these women to have a knowledge that they didn't have before and you know whoever else your male clients as well um i think just in the financial industry and i can just say this at least from my own family and our experience um yeah my dad was always the one that was working uh, my mom was fortunate enough to mostly be a stay-at-home mom until we were in high school and my dad still is the one who like handles the taxes like handles that kind of stuff and it's not that my mom doesn't want to or doesn't care to i think also as you mentioned generationally we're starting to see patterns shift a bit. And so I just, I, I love the work that you're doing and um, the opportunity that you have to be able to 
impart that wisdom and see it as an opportunity to share rather than sell. So that is so cool. You mentioned the place that you work is doing like a socially responsible investing portfolio with you. And that's kind of in line with what you do as Miss Earth USA. Personally, I've been on the receiving end of seeing a lot of the work that you're already doing as Miss Earth USA. And I would love to talk more about that, what that opportunity has been like for you and how winning a national title, if any, has added to your confidence, whether it's individually as Marissa or as this brand ambassador nationally. Of course. So winning Miss Earth USA... I've got to say that's probably been the highlight of my pageant career so far. So as you know, this is my second national title. Um, I was Miss World America in 2018, uh, now Miss Earth USA in 2021. I think I'm one of five or so U.S. women who've held two national titles in any of the big four pageants. So that definitely is a big confidence booster to my pageant life, for sure. But like I said, it's so important, the top-down, the culture of the place that you are embedding yourself in. And with Miss Earth USA, I absolutely love the culture here, more so even than any other pageant that I've been in. I I think the number one reason why that is is because the entire directorship staff is all women. They are all former title holders, and they've all been in multiple different uh, systems within pageantry in America. So they kind of get to take a, you know, all the good pieces of each of the systems that they've all been involved with and really put together a show and a pageant experience for their contestants that really is about the experience. Because at the end of the day, only one girl goes home with the crown. Well, actually, at USA, we have, we send five girls home with crowns. You know, we, get, we actually crown the whole top five is our elemental court, which is, again, something I think is really amazing. Because you and I both know that, you know, the winner and the first runner up is, and the, even the second runner up, you know, it is any day, like you could do another pageant and a different outcome could happen. So being able oh, to yeah, give a so title close. to all those girls and create a sisterhood between the elemental court is another amazing aspect that I really admire about the Miss Earth USA system that I haven't seen in any other system. Um, but in general, I think that the confidence that I'm having is just by finally being with a organization that I truly feel is a team. There's people who I feel I have my back and who are really working towards my goal. So I am going up against a very hard odds of winning a back-to-back for Miss Earth. You know, it has happened before. Uh, Philippines have done it once before. Um, and so we know it's possible at Miss Earth, but, you know, that's still a really high likelihood, um, high, highly unlikely, I mean, to be able to accomplish so knowing that I have a really strong group of people who really, really believe in me and are supporting me on this journey to Miss Earth is a, such a huge confidence boost because, uh, you know, when you have that strong support system, like I said, I really feel that you can make your most personal growth uh, than, than anything else. Like you, the people you're around, it really is the most important aspect, um, who you surround yourself with, whether they're going to be uplifting you or holding you back. That, I think, is one of the biggest aspects as far as mental health and in order to accomplish any goal. So I guess my one piece of advice would be just surround yourself with people who want to see you succeed. 
because if you don't, you, know, you probably won't succeed. Because that really, it all starts with having a positive mental uh, space for yourself. Because otherwise, how are you supposed to accomplish any goal if, if you're not in a positive space mentally yourself? So I think that Miss Earth uh, USA uh, organization has just been wonderful for that. So I'm really excited to be working with them. Um, and as you know, Miss Earth uh, is an environmental organization. So they ha- they focus on environmental advocacies. And for me, that has been something that has been really a core piece of who I am since I was a really little girl. So I used to uh, help my mom rehabilitate animals when I was as young as like four years old, uh, all all the way to, you know, tagging sharks uh, with National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in college to uh, right now in San Diego. When I first moved here, I worked with the San Diego Audubon Society for a number of years. Now working with San Diego Seal Society. Um, I have my own cleanup organization called We Clean Trails. Um, so that has really been, um, I think one of the things that makes Miss Earth USA feel so right for me is because it really is encompassing who I am as a person. And, and I think that's really important for when you are choosing to align yourself with a certain organization, um, whether you're trying to pick a pageant or trying to pick a work environment or anything, it is just so important to find out does the core values of the organization match up with who you are as a person and what your core values are? And does the organization also have people who are going to support you in your efforts to achieve your goals? Because that is when true magic happens, especially with confidence and with uh, actually achieving goals. When you have that unique um, combination of that great environment met with the same, you know, um, goals and moral compass, uh, with, with that organization as you hold personally, you really can accomplish anything. So that's why I'm very excited. I, I, I feel that this has been like the perfect fit for me. Um, you know, it's kind of like Cinderella finding her glass slipper. Uh, that's how I feel when that crown went on my head, uh, with Miss Earth USA. And it felt like, as much as I love and enjoy my journey with all my other pageant systems, they never felt like they were mine. They never felt like it was for mm-hmm. me. Um, this one truly feels like I, I found my home within the pageantry world. And so I'm really, really excited for this upcoming year and be able to share that all with you guys. I will tell you right now, when I saw you were competing, it was the same feeling I had with um, another guest I've had on the show who is the current Miss World America, Alyssa Anderick, who is one of our yes. uh, pageant <laughs> sisters. When I saw her doing that, it was just the weirdest intrinsic feeling I had. I was like, she's going to win. Like, I just knew it, like, with assured certainty. And when I saw you at Miss um, Earth USA, I had the exact same feeling. I was, showed my mom. I was like, oh, like, Marissa's doing Miss Earth USA. I'm like, she's going to win. And my mom's like, yeah, she's got a great shot. I'm like, no, like, I just know she's going to win. And sure enough, when I saw <laughs> it go up, I was not surprised at all. So I don't know. I've got the I've got the good feeling for you for Miss Earth overall. And especially with oh, USA. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one, you're just an accomplished person. You're very genuine, sincere. And obviously it comes across well when you interview because it's coming across here fantastically. And I know that it's the same thing that the judges see. So... You know, as long as it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But um, the work that you do and how you're saying that this one really felt like it was for you. 
and lining up with core values i think those are things that are important when it comes to cultivating confidence for people because i can attest to things that i've done in the past especially like the very first time i ever tried miss america i really felt like i had to be and put on somebody that i wasn't because yes. initially i did not feel that who i was and who i am was going to be selected right and I had asked a judge for feedback after my very first local prelim I ever did where I didn't place, didn't get anything. And he told me, he's like, I could tell you were not being yourself. He's like, I don't even know you, but I could tell that what you were presenting wasn't JR. And I was like, huh, okay. So I think what Marissa is saying about making sure that when you attach yourself with an organization that those core values line up with your own, it'll help one, you just feel more of a natural fit, which inevitably gives you an inherent feeling of confidence with being aligned with an organization. But it's also very empowering. And so I love, again, that you said that this one felt like it was for you. It felt like it was your Cinderella glass slipper when they put that crown on your head and how it aligns with what you do. One of the organizations that you mentioned, which is your own organization, correct? We Clean Trails? Correct. Yeah. So we think trails started. um, So with Miss Earth USA, they ask us all to do a think global, act local project. So essentially, they want us to lead at just one. (laughs) It's supposed to just be one um, a community outreach event that is focusing on our advocacy. So I decided, being the overachiever that I was, that I was going to do a cleanup every Saturday for a month. And uh, I focus the cleanup efforts on areas near imperiled ecosystems. So in San Diego, we actually have more endangered plants and animals in San Diego County than any other place in the continental United States. Oh, so wow. there's a lot of places that we could pick that would be making a impact. Um, and litter being one of the many things that you know can kind of hinder the the growth of population of endangered species. So that was kind of my intended goal <laughs> to do it for a month. And you know, I just made it like a Facebook group and like just put it out into like there is um, a hiking society Facebook page that I was a part of. And I just posted on there like, hey, if anyone wants to come and join me, I'm going to be cleaning up from here to here. Uh, and then people kept showing up and kept showing up and it kept getting bigger. And people ended up loving it so much. And one thing that I had actually told my boyfriend, who was actually encouraging me to continue it on after it just the month was over, um, when we were deciding, I was like, you know what? I've never seen you be more excited on a weekend. Like, like you want to get up early and you just are like glowing and like you seem to be really like that's your niche. That's like that's what you should be doing. Like you shouldn't stop it just because the month's over. And so I was like, you know what? You're right. I'll try to continue it on. Um, and it just kept growing and growing. And now I honestly think I'm going to need some like extra help. I need to bring on some like solid volunteers. Um, but because now we're getting you anywhere we used to get between like three and five people to show up at every cleanup now it's like 10 to 15 i think that my plan tomorrow might be closer to 20 and so i definitely need to start making it more of like an official organization and (laughs) i can get you know tax donations and everything like that um but it really it happened just by a chance this was just something i was like kind of already did anyways um and I already had some of the gear from some of the beach cleanups I used to do uh and 
it just ended up becoming something that I really, really loved. And I've even told um, some people that, you know, I'd say being the leader of Weekly Trails, I got more confidence and gratification uh, from that than any winning pageant I've done. And not to say that I don't completely, like, absolutely love being in USA, I do. But being able to create a community and getting people motivated and to believe in you and to then just show up week after week because my volunteers they don't just come to one like the second someone comes usually they stay a volunteer and that's why it's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger is awesome. because every time we bring on a new person we're just bringing on a new person for every single event yeah. going forward <laughs> so it's been really cool to see like this is my first time where I really truly felt like a real leader uh, within my community uh, and that has become something that I don't ever really want to give up. This is something I feel like I'm going to be doing until, you know, I can't anymore. Um, and so the goal this year is I really want to expand We Clean Trails. Uh, and one of the ways I want to do so is by um, making it into a 501c3, being able to get donations, because then I could put together cleanup packets that could start other weekling trails in different locations, yes. which I think would be great to utilize Miss Earth USA and their title holders in different states and say, hey, you want to start a weekling trails? Here's your startup kit. Here's kind of how we do it and branch it out to other states as well. So that way it's not just San Diego. <laughs> we can kind of make it a little bit bigger because I mean, it is a really rewarding and really easy way to give back to your community uh, that I just feel that if, if people had a, a kind of a guide and a how-to to start it in their communities, it'd be a really easy thing for people to start all over. I 100% agree with that. And I love when you were saying that I was thinking like, oh my gosh, you should make it like where people can like have chapters in different counties or something because especially with the way the pandemic has hit us this year, a lot more people are utilizing those outdoor spaces, whether it's for exercise, um, for safe social distance, socializing, um, for mental health, you know, getting out in nature is so good for you. But in turn, I have noticed a lot of extra littering along some of the paths that um, I like to utilize um, here in the LA County area. And it's a little disheartening. And um, one of the places I buy gear from, called keep nature wild or something like that um, and every time you buy gear they send you a biodegradable bag that you can take on your trails with you so you can pick up trash right and hearing you have a more active role in something like this and wanting to branch it out like that I think is so phenomenal so yeah I'm 100% all for it girl do it get that 501c3 so that this can be uh, a nationwide thing and it would be such an impactful and very on brand for Miss Earth USA. Well and also another issue that we've been having with littering uh, during the pandemic is one like people who would usually go and pick those up and like put it in their backpacks are feeling less like they can oh, yeah. because it might be you know contaminated uh, you don't know who put it there but then also like you said more and more people are taking to trails than ever before and a lot of these people are people who 
aren't outdoorsy. You know, they're trying this because it's new. There's nothing else to do. So they don't necessarily know, you know, the the leave no trace etiquette, you know, those seven principles. Um, And so being also a certified leave no trace trainer, I'm able to teach those principles to my uh, volunteers. And one of the things I really have loved about it is, especially when we get the little kids, the, the kids who come to our cleanups are my favorite because they always come, you know, and then they, they, they might not come for another a couple of weeks, but then they come back like, oh, so I taught my friends how to clean up and we got our own gear and oh, we did yeah. a cleanup in our in our uh, neighborhood. And like, they're just so excited and they just are so excited to share what it is they're doing with their peers. And it's just so inspiring thinking that these little seven and eight year olds are so excited to go pick up trash. Like I would never have been into that as a kid. You know, I'm like, <laughs> why would I want to go do that? Why would I be excited? about that you know but to see that our next generation is is very much uh environmentally conscious and really is excited about helping out uh the their nature uh it's really you know that gives me a lot of confidence that what i'm doing is impactful it is changing people's minds it is giving young people a outlet to be able to express how they feel about the world and the environment um so that has been probably my favorite piece was just the impact i've seen on how excited these little kids become about cleaning up their local communities starting things young whether it's instilling confidence a sense of social responsibility environmental awareness is helpful in creating those long lasting impacts. So I love that it's something that is open to all ages like that. And with having young ones as a part of this um, cleanup initiative, and in addition to being Miss Earth USA, having had multiple national titles now, being an athlete, all of this, how has being a role model impacted the confidence that you have as an individual? Because you are, whether, you know, you like it or not, or whether you want to associate yourself with something like that. Because sometimes we think like, oh, I don't want to say I'm a role model. But I mean, you really are in a great way, too. Well, you know, I just always kind of think of it this way. It's like I have uh, two little nieces and a nephew. And I I say that becoming an aunt was a really big change in who I was because I went from being the baby of the family to someone who became a role model. I mean, when you're you know, an aunt, that's one of your first roles is being their role model. So whenever I'm kind of conducting myself, I always just think of, you know, how would I want, like, my nieces and nephews to see me? You know, what would I want to instill in them as far as what are qualities I hope that they would grow up with? And for me, that always kind of boils down to, I want my nieces and nephews to be someone who is kind, first and foremost. I think that's the most important thing. I think that's one of the things that's lacking a lot and a lot of people in mm-hmm. this world, unfortunately. So I think that that, for me, is the biggest thing that I try to portray as a role model is kindness. And then another other one, I would say, is just responsibility. And that can be to yourself. It can be to the world around you. It could be to your job, to your school. But I think responsibility is also very important. And you really need to show that. You know, it's not something you can tell you know, the kids, oh, just be responsible. You need to show them by actually acting that out and and giving them examples so 
whenever I'm trying to interact with young kids, I, you know, I, I try to make sure it's something fun. I want to make sure that they realize why we are doing it and uh, kind of understand that at a more deeper level. And uh, so I say that that's kind of what my focus is on is just teaching them responsibility and kindness because when you combine those two things, I people can accomplish so many amazing things and make this world truly a better place. I know we always, always get made fun of as pageant queens, They're like, oh, world peace. But, you know, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think it's so important that we do always have that as a goal. I mean, mm-hmm. what is wrong with having that as a goal? It shouldn't be a cliche. It shouldn't be something that is a joke. It is something that is tr- true. That is the goal that we would want for all of the people in this world is to have a peaceful, kind, responsible world where we all feel like we're respected and uh, every you know even the plants and animals everything that shares this with us should also be able to feel that respect as well so I just think that as a role model you just need to model the behavior that you want to see instilled in the next generation because that is really the only way you can teach anyone anything is by actually doing it yourself um so I know personally I just if my mom was saying oh like you need to like clean your room and her room was a total mess I'm like okay yeah right I don't need to do that like so it's the same is true in any type of role model situation you need to model that behavior first and foremost before you can expect anyone else to follow in your footsteps it's a great way to put it when you're thinking of you know how the role of a role model works is that you are literally modeling a role for someone else to follow and you have to do it first. Like you have to be the one that sets the example, sets the precedent and especially the responsibility associated with that. I think responsibility can like be like such a like good and bad word because people allow it to have a negative gravity. Like, oh my gosh, it's such a like heavy responsibility and then it causes anxieties. But also I think responsibilities can be seen as a really beautiful opportunity and I had one of the guests explain to me that like if you have a dream in your heart that you want to achieve it's like your responsibility to make it happen because the world needs you to make that dream come true Um, and it was a really beautiful way that he illustrated it which is part of why I'm so adamant about sharing exercise confidence I just feel like if every single person in the world was self-confident not arrogant not rude not like proud in a bad way but just self-confident like the world would be such a better place because it would allow them to feel confident in extending kindness and extending grace because you're not worried about being taken advantage of or um having a bad outcome so that's one of the things i see as my responsibility but i also see a responsibility for me to share um a transparent journey right so I've been very transparent on my fitness journey especially because it is something that has always been insane for me and I know for you your fitness journey if I'm correct obviously it starts when you're an athlete in your sport um, but then you kind of grow up and you're not necessarily unless you're a professional athlete you're not going to practice five days a week you don't have games on the weekend and so how are you able to keep your or do you? Do you see your fitness as a responsibility to yourself? I would say yes, because at the end of the day, you only have one body. And for me, I just want to make sure that 
I have the ability to do everything that I, it is that I want to do. I, I remember actually the onstage question that I was asked when I won Miss Maine USA was, do you believe there is such a thing as a perfect body? And I answered it a little unconventionally. I said, yes, I, I think there is such a thing as a perfect body, but I, I think that what we define as perfect is different for every single person because mm-hmm. if you look at the Olympics, the body types in there are so different between every single different sport. Yes. I mean, a, a sprinter does not look like a swimmer, does not look like a gymnast, does not look like a soccer player. All their body compositions is completely different from one another. But at that level, their body is absolutely perfect for what it is they're trying to accomplish in their life and so for me my idea for fitness and where my responsibility to myself comes from is I want to make sure that I have the body that is able to let me do everything it is that I want to do in my life what my goals and my dreams are Um, and so that really starts mostly with you know having a healthy relationship with food i think that that has been the biggest change in my journey uh with fitness it's not necessarily been the amount of weight that i lift it's not been you know how fast can i run but it's been my evolution with my relationship with food and i think that we really need to come back to that and realize that that's the core of all fitness and health is what we put into our mouths and and uh, that's our nutrients it's, it's like you can't run a car on fumes you cannot run a body on no food or bad food you know you need to be able to make sure that you are having enough respect for yourself and your body to be able to make sure you're getting the amount of nutrients that you need to be doing in order to accomplish what it is you want to do physically and so for me uh, because I love to lead, lead an active life. I mean, I really love my sports. It's a big outlet for me emotionally, mentally. You know, I, I find that to be a big source of therapy, being able to go and work out. Um, and that is really important to me. And then also being able to go on beautiful hikes and then also leave my trail cleanups and, you know, even just doing a pageant, that takes so much stamina. Um, especially when you go to an international pageant. I mean, Miss World was five weeks long. Miss Earth is going to be five weeks long. So these are things that your body needs to be able to get through. Um, And if you are not giving yourself the proper nutrition or the proper exercise, your body's going to shut down on you and you're not going to be able to finish doing what it is you need to be getting done. Especially, like I said, with those international competitions. I mean, you get up before 6 a.m. every single day, you go to bed probably after midnight every day, and you're completely filled from morning to evening with activities and what you're going to be doing. So in order to be able to get through something that is such a, a marathon of an event, you need to be physically and mentally prepared. And that starts with having responsibility to build a body that's going to help you accomplish your goals. So that's why it's so important to me and my life. Um, and then also just be able to have health. Like I want to be able to have kids later on in life um, and not have them, you know, probably not even until my late 30s. Um, and 
that's going to take a lot of energy you know, that I probably yeah. wouldn't have naturally like a 20 something year old mother would. Uh, so that's just also another thing that I'm setting myself up for is to be able to have more mobility and um, abilities when I'm older, because I do plan on being an older mom and because I do want to be able to still travel and hike when I'm in my eighties, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a goal of mine. So it is, it's my, my responsibility to myself is so that I can facilitate all my goals and dreams with the body that I am given. That answer was just so like impactful in a way that I didn't foresee, especially when you were talking about the variety in bodies in Olympic athletes, yet it is perfect for exactly what they need. And so the idea of a perfect body is what is going to give you the life that you want to lead. It's just, it's a really beautiful answer and I love the way you shared it. So thank you for that. We are going to start wrapping it up here. So taking off from that beautiful answer to your last answer, Marissa, if you had one piece of advice to give our listeners to be able to exercise confidence daily, what would it be? I think the most important thing is getting to know who you are as a person. I think that I was able to do so through pageantry, not necessarily by winning a crown, but by preparing for our interview portion. So if you ask any pageant girl, you know, what any question, whether it be what is your favorite color to what is the most pressing issue is facing our generation today, she usually can answer it like that. And the reason for that is because she knows and who she is at her core because she's taken the time to get to know who she is. I feel a lot of us, we spend so much time trying to get to know our friends, trying to get to know our job, trying to get to know our skill or trade, but we don't take enough time to really get to know who we are as a person at our core, what our core beliefs are, what our dreams and goals are, and why we have those dreams and goals and beliefs. So being able to really dive deep and spend time to get to know yourself, I think is the most important step in building confidence because once we have a clear idea of who we are as a person, we're able to set goals and achieve them uh, much easier than it would be if we didn't know who we are or what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, It it all starts with getting to know yourself uh, and then learning to love yourself, finding things about yourself that is uniquely you and that you really want to gravitate towards because at the end of the day, love is the highest form of respect. And so when we respect ourselves, we can have confidence in ourselves. So it all starts by getting to know yourself. If you don't know yourself, you can't love yourself, you can't respect yourself, and you can't have confidence. So it really, if, if you really want to have more confidence in who you are my suggestion is sit down with yourself and have a conversation with yourself and figure out what makes you tick because that is going to be what's going to be able to help you the most in your life going forward yeah I mean the person you spend the most time with is you so you might as well get to know yourself so you can love yourself and better yourself and be exactly who you want to be Marissa, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show. And I feel like I learned so much about you that I didn't even know. And I know that what you said today is going to be so impactful for those that tune in. And I'm sure you shared some thing that is going to change someone's life. So honestly, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for what you shared. And thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It really was a lot of fun. All right, Exercise Confidence listeners, that is our episode with Marissa Butler. 
Marissa was incredibly inspiring and I love how versatile her background is. I appreciated that she shared being able to step into a new arena, not only in the sports world when she transitioned from soccer to lacrosse, but also the first time she ever decided to enter a pageant. And also as a female, deciding to get her degree in economics and now pursuing this path in the financial industry. I thought it was beautiful and I loved so much how she touched on multiple times that it is so important to know your own core values and your core beliefs in order to understand who you are creating yourself to be. That is something that is so important when it comes to being able to exercise confidence in yourself every day. Tune in next week as we sit down with Allie Curtis. Allie not only is a former Miss Rhode Island, but she is also the first artillery officer that is a female in the state of Rhode Island. This woman is making history and this is just the start of the trail that she is blazing for all of those women who will absolutely and inevitably decide to follow in her footsteps in the future because of the path that she is choosing to blaze. So we'll see you next week. For today, I am signing off as always, JR Nasari, and I hope that you find a way to exercise confidence every day.